This is going to be off soon, so I thank you for everybody's prayers and kindness to me. And um, I have uh, I have learned a lot since I've had this cast on. Uh, the main thing is I've learned to be patient. And I don't know if my wife would agree with that yet or not, but I'm getting there, folks. And I just want to say thank you so much for your, your kindness to me and for all the blessings that you passed my way. Just has really encouraged me. Um, we are continuing with our series called The Blessing. And um, I, just, uh, I just want to remind everybody of what a blessing is. A blessing, very simply put, is is when somebody confers on somebody else love, kindness, something that causes the other person to feel happy, to feel content, to feel joy, to feel complete. When somebody blesses somebody else, it makes them feel a sense of hope about the future, that they can face the future, that that tomorrow is not onerous, that Tomorrow may have difficulties, but you can face it because you've experienced the blessing. I want you to know something today. The very, very first spiritual experience that humankind ever experienced was, in fact, a blessing. A blessing is, in fact, the oldest part of your faith and mine. And so we see it um, in the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve... The Bible says that he blessed them and then told them to go forth and multiply. So you understand then that that we were created to be blessed. In fact, the human heart craves blessing. You may not know that today, but you crave blessing. You want the people around you to bless you. You don't want the people around to curse you. I think everybody would recognize that. I think if I asked how many want to be cursed, everybody said, no, I don't want to be cursed. But I always said, how many people want to be blessed? You say, well, yeah, I could take it, I guess. No, you need it. You crave it. You may not know it, but your heart craves blessing. Your heart wants it badly. And we see that at the very beginning of the human story. Adam and Eve are blessed by God. And, of course, after they disobey God, the Bible says that they were evicted from the Garden of Eden. Now listen to this. God gives, after that, God gives specific instructions as to how people are to worship him. And God promises his blessing upon those who serve God and who worship God the way that God prescribes. How many know today you cannot worship or serve God any old way that you want? And a lot of people think that. They think, you know, I've got my own religion. I've got my own spirituality. I can worship God the way I want to do it. I want you to know something today, that that is a massive fallacy. It's a huge, huge lie. You cannot serve God any old way you please. You cannot do whatever you want when it comes to your relationship with God. You've got to do it his way. And so here's what Cain discovered. Cain and Abel, everybody's heard of Cain and Abel, the, the children, the sons of Adam and Eve. Cain decided that he was going to try to serve God in his own way. Whereas Abel obeyed God and followed God and worshiped God the way God prescribed. And so because of that, Abel experienced God's blessing in his life. 
In other words, Abel experienced joy. He felt contentment. He was happy. He felt, again, he felt hope about the future. Life was good. God was prospering him. Everything was going well because Abel was serving God and doing God's, God's will. Cain, on the other hand, was not. And Cain become, became exceedingly jealous of his brother. He was so jealous of the blessing that Abel was getting that he eventually kills his brother. It's the first murder in the scripture. Cain is jealous. He craves the blessing. He wants God to bless him as well. He wants God's approval. Every human being wants approval. Every human being wants blessing. Every human being wants to, wants to sense and know that they matter, that they count, that they're precious. Cain wanted it so bad that he murdered Now, I want you to know today, parents especially, husbands and wives especially, and everybody here that interacts with any other human being, those of you who are hermits, well, really, I don't have anything to say to you today. But for the rest of you who are interacting with other human beings, I want you to know something. You crave blessing. You want to be blessed. You want to be validated. You want to be affirmed. You want to be loved. You want want to hear those words that give you courage. And guess what? Everybody in your orbit wants the same thing. Everybody wants to feel and sense the same things that you want. The problem is, is that we are so self-centered that we don't have the wisdom or we don't have the sense to think about other people. Now, I want you to know something today. The Christian life, the Christian life is all about God's blessing, receiving God's blessing and sharing God's blessing. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, okay, that's right. I didn't mean to embarrass you. No, don't worry. Shut your phones off, please. Okay, uh, next, let's, let's take a look at the scripture verse here. Let's read this together. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay, so here's what the the writer of the Book of Wisdom says. He says that reckless, careless, thoughtless, irresponsible words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want to ask you this question today. What comes out of your mouth? And here's what I know. Here's what I know. I think most of us are very unself-aware. We don't really know what we say. We don't really think about what comes out of our mouth. Many of us have learned bad habits. Many of us communicate the way our parents communicated, communicate the way our friends communicate. And what we don't know is that we are being very reckless, very thoughtless, very careless about what words come out of our mouth. And what's been happening is that we've been going around maiming people. We've been maiming people with our words. Some of us here today have got messed up lives and have, are struggling tremendously because of the way we were raised, because of the words that people have spoken to us, and it has maimed us. It has hurt us. I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to truly serve God in a, in a way that not only blesses God, but blesses the people 
in our orbit. And I'm going to tell you, God has very, very strong words for us when it comes to the things that we say. In fact, in the Proverbs alone, there are over 55, almost 60 verses that deal with what you say and don't say. I challenge you to take a, take a read through, take a journey through Proverbs, and you'll see what the Bible says about what you talk about and what you say. But I want to say this to you today. Our job as believers is to make to take very careful uh, consideration of what we say. Because God wants you and I to be a people who bless others, who bring healing to the hearts of others. Folks, I can't think of a better definition of what a blessing is, is that we bring healing to others. We affirm others. We build others up. Now, this morning, uh, I want to talk about how you can start blessing the people in your life. But before I can talk about how to do that, I've got to talk to you about some of our bad habits. And these bad habits uh, are uh, using these words, these maiming words. If you go back to the original language, to Hebrew, it, it, here's, how it, how's, here's how this verse literally translates from the Hebrew. It says, there is one talking as stabbings of a sword. And a tongue of the wise ones heals. So the picture here is this one who is reckless and who's just going around stabbing. Now, when you get when you see me doing this, what do you think? You think uh, horror movie. You think psychopath, right? You think this guy's out of his mind. You think I'm glad I sat in the back row. <laughs> the pastor's losing it. Listen to me. Every time you're uttering those careless words, what you're doing is you are literally stabbing somebody. You're maiming them. You're hurting them. You're destroying them. And many of us grew up in homes like that. In fact, some of us are in marriages like that right now. You're being maimed by your partner. And some of us here, we've got, we've got parents that, have, that maim us. Every time we talk to them on the phone, that, you know, the knife comes out and, they, and mom starts maiming or dad starts maiming us with these horrible words, these thoughtless words. In fact, you know what? If you ask them, did you mean to do that to your child? Oh, I didn't mean to. I was just fooling around. I was just fooling around. I was just a little bit of humor here. Just trying to be funny. That's why I hate sarcasm so much. There's nothing funny about sarcasm, people. And it should have no part in the life of a believer. And I'll demonstrate that to you in just a moment. So let me ask you the question. Is this, who here would intentionally go out to maim people? There's nobody here like that, right? And if I knew who you are, you wouldn't be allowed in the building. <laughs> but there's nobody here that'd say, I would, I'm not, I would never head out to maim people. And yet we do. Because of our careless words. Because of our sarcasm. Because we got angry. I'm going to tell a little piece of my mind. I'm going to let that cashier know what I really think. Pull up the knife. Let her have it. I'm going to let that guy know a few things. The guy who cut me off, just, <laughs> if I can't get him in the back, I'll get his tires. We maim. Some of us grew up that way. Our parents maimed, their parents maimed, and so we, we, we've, we've just taken up the, the family tradition. We go around maiming people. Family celebrations are a nightmare because before long, fights break out. It's going to maim each other. We try to be funny, say sarcastic things. 
make fun of each other, put each other down. Some people, they say sarcastic, mean things because they're afraid of intimacy. It's a way of keeping people at a distance. Folks, I want to tell you something. The whole point of giving your heart to Jesus and becoming a Christian is that Christ transforms you from the inside out. Do you understand that today? Because the Bible says this. It's not, it's not the, out, the things on the outside that taint you or that make you dirty or make you impure. It's what's in your heart that makes you impure. Because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so God is calling you and me to make sure that our hearts are right, are pure, that we are thoughtful, that we're careful about the way that we talk to one another so that we don't go around maiming people. So we're the healing force. Now, can I tell everybody something today? Every one of us here today, if we call ourselves a believer or a Christian, you and I are an extension of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that today? So that wherever you go, people see Jesus. Now, there's a reason why a lot of people want nothing to do with the church. They won't go to church. And you'll hear them say, they'll say, the church is full of, yeah, hypocrites. You heard that too. Why do they say that? I'll tell you why. You, you may not be aware of this. But they've watched your behavior, and they've watched and listened to what's come out of your mouth. And it hasn't been very pretty. In fact, it's been very hurtful. And they'll say, they maybe can't articulate it, but they'll say this. If that person is what Christianity is all about, I would not want any part of it. And maybe some of you are like that today. You've, you've, you've experienced the pain, the hurt of a sharp tongue. I want to say on behalf of believers everywhere, I apologize to you. I'm sorry that that's happened to you. But I can tell you that, that that is not the biblical standard. What God wants for us is to be a people who go around bringing healing, bringing hope, bringing health, bringing wholeness. James, in his little book, just a few chapters, five chapters, he begins the first chapter by making a very shocking statement about what a real Christian is. He says this in James 1.26, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. So James is saying, I don't care if you go to church every Sunday. I don't care if you tithe. I don't care uh, if you are on the board. I don't care if you're serving in Sunday school. I don't care how religious you are, but if you can't keep a tight rein in your tongue so that your tongue is being used in a careful and thoughtful way, your religion is worthless. What's your religion worth? What comes out of your mouth? Are you one of those people that goes around... Are you the Christian psychopath? I'm a Christian. <laughs> I love Jesus. <laughs> Do you know there's people that come to church? And once in a while, not very often, because I think we've got a pretty amazing church here, but once in a while I hear somebody complaining in the atrium. Very rare. It's usually the same one or two people complaining about something, the music or the lights or, or the, the carpet's dirty. And, you know, I, mean, I, can, I, I know what to do for the carpet. Give me some money and I'll replace it. Uh, complain, complain, complain. Got the knife out. Maiming, jabbing, killing, hurting, stabbing. Jesus has called you and me to a religion that is real. 
a religion that resonates with those who do not know Christ. And so James goes on in his letter to the believers there, after actually asking the Christians, are you sure you're a Christian? Because a Christian does not go around maiming people. He goes on to to say this. He says, and he's incredulous. He he makes a statement, but you can hear the, the absolute shock and amazement and horror in his voice. He says, with the tongue, we praise the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. You just see him scratching his head and just grabbing, just like, what's going on here? How can this be? In fact, that's what he says in verse 10. Out of the same mouth come praise or blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. In other words, what James is saying, you people are psychopaths. You can't connect the dots. You've got some kind of emotional or mental illness here. How can you be going around blessing God and then cursing your fellow brothers and sisters? Absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. Absolutely psychopathic. Absolutely inauthentic religion. It's a thing that gives us a bad name. You and I are supposed to be going around healing. You and I are supposed to be an extension of Jesus Christ. And yet... Too often, we're guilty of maiming. Paul goes on, or James goes on to say this. He says, we all stumble in many ways. That's true, I agree. Anybody here not stumble? Anybody here not stumble? If you are one of those people who never stumbles, I need you to come up here and take over for me. Because I stumble. I make mistakes. I'm guilty of sometimes using words that are reckless and thoughtless. I'm admitting that to you. But God giving me grace and strength, I'm trying to be one of these people who's wise and whose words bring healing. What about you? What about you? Here's what James says. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. So look at this. Here's James's standard for perfect Christianity. Is that you keep your tongue in check. You're careful about what you say. James says that's the one who's got real religion. That's the one who, according to God, is perfect. Now, I don't know if anybody here has heard of Malcolm Gladwell. He's written a number of excellent books. Uh, the Tipping Point, What the Dog uh, Saw, uh, Blink. At the beginning of the book called Blink, he talks about uh, a doctor by the name of John Gottman. And it talks about J- John Gottman's studies of uh, couples. And over the years, he's studied and he's watched couples to the point where he's now able to predict who will get a divorce in the days ahead. And he's got, look, listen to this, his prediction rate is 90%. So he goes on to describe what it is that he looks for to help him predict who is going to get a divorce and who is going to have a good marriage. And guess what it comes down to? Well, I... After reading the book, I thought, man, if John Gottman had just got on the phone and given me a call, I could have told him. Because God tells us this over and over again in the Scripture. Here's what John Gottman discovered. He says when he detects within a married couple a contempt, a, a contempt for each other, he says that is the early indicator that that couple is headed for divorce. What is contempt? 
It's a disrespect. It's a disdain. It's feelings of hatred. It's feelings of anger. It's a, it's a, a, a sense I'm, I'm uh, ignoring your spouse, that sort of thing. It's a contempt. I don't care about you. You're worthless. You're stupid. You're an idiot. When I got married to you, you were skinny. Now you're fat. And vice versa, she says, when I, when I married you, you were good to me. You brought me candies and flowers. And now all I get is bad smells in the morning and loud belches. And that defines who he is. And what defines who she is is she's just gained weight. Listen to me. Couples are doing this all the time. With contempt, they're maiming each other. And John Gottman says that he's discovered that that marriage will end in divorce. Guess what? It's not just marriages that end in divorce because of contemptuous talk. It's families that break down. It's kids that end up hating their parents and parents that end up hating their kids. It's, it's work, the work site that, that, that is, has absolute hatred and bitterness so that you don't even want to go to work in the morning. It's all because people are going around maiming each other, being careless with what they say. Do you know the contempt is the very opposite of blessing. And you're, if you're struggling right now with your kids, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling at your workplace, here's what you need to do, is that you need to stop maiming. You need to stop getting even. You've got to stop returning the barbs. When that, when that negative and mean word is thrown at you, don't pick it up and throw it back. God calls you and me to do the opposite. He calls us to bless those who curse us. Now, I'm going to tell you, that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. I mean, if, if you tell anybody on the street that, you know, next time somebody curses you or says something bad to you, say something nice back. They'll say, you're nuts. And it does sound nuts. It does sound crazy. But guess what, folks? This is why you've come to church, to learn how to get it right, to learn how to function the way God calls us to function, to learn how to speak the way Jesus calls us to speak. Some of you may remember the movie that came out with Heath Ledger, who, who passed away, unfortunately. But he plays the psychopathic bad man, the psychopathic villain, the Joker. And interestingly, in the, in the movie, they give us a clue as to how this guy went bad. And again, it's classic. He tells a story about how his own father maimed, abused, hurt, and destroyed his life. And so the cycle goes on. He goes now and he does the same thing. The interesting thing, this very dark and very troubling movie has struck a chord amongst many young men who, for whatever reason, experienced what the Joker experienced. A father who was mean, who was absent, who didn't care, who was nasty. And we've got angry, angry men who feel that the only way to deal with their anger and their resentment and their uh, and, the, and the lack of love and, and affirmation, the only thing that they can do is to retaliate, get angry, get even. We've got street gangs. We've got gangs in prisons. We've got angry, angry people. I'm going to tell everybody right now, you don't need to go to four years of university to get a degree in criminology. I can tell you what you need to know in just a few moments. What needs to happen is that these bitter, angry people need a good dose of God's blessing. They need a wise person with a wise tongue 
to heal their broken hearts. When I see a young person who's angry and bitter and difficult, I don't see that. What I see is a bruised and broken human being. When I see a couple on the verge of divorce, I don't see two people who, who hate each other. I see two people who are broken and don't know how to fix it. When I see kids who are angry at their parents and parents who are angry at the kids, I, I see people who are desperate to be affirmed by one another. This is why God calls us to bless each other. Now, I'm not giving you a formula here. I'm going to just tell you what, what blessing means, what it's all about. A blessing means that you affirm the people in your life. It means you actually say to somebody, I love you. And it reminds me of that, that couple after being married for 25 years. And she says to her husband, you never say you love me anymore. And he said, I let you know when we got married 25 years ago, I love you. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. You've heard that one before. But it's so rich, isn't it? Because a lot of us, we think, well, they know. They know that I love them. They, my kids know that I care about them. I feed them every day. Oh, yeah, that's a real way to show your kids how much you love them. They got food on their plate. That should be enough. I, they got their own room. I give them a bed to sleep on. That should be I never had a bed to sleep on when I was little. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Most of us are not that clever to connect those dots. We need to hear it said, I love you. You are precious to me. I am proud of you. When I married into Gloria's family, I used to get, we used to get cards from her mother all the time. And they'd say, dear Ellen and Gloria, I just want you to know how much we love you and how proud we are of you. And, I, and it was like, this was like on a regular basis. So I, I thought, I said to Gloria, you know, this, like, is this like, is this just like, like mechanical? I really felt like it was mechanical because I wasn't used to it. It's not the way I was raised. In fact, and, and, and you know, I love my dad. My, my dad's the best dad in the world. But the way he was raised, it's you don't praise your kids. You don't say anything too positive to them because you don't want them to get a fat head. Anybody else raised like that? You don't, don't say things too nice to your kids because you don't want them to be conceited, right? And so, nothing. Now, since then, my dad's awesome. He, now he phones me every day, and he's just overdoing it now. But, uh, <laughs> no, not really. I love it. <laughs> he tells me how much he loves me and how special I am to him. What a great relationship we have. Listen to me, parents, especially parents. You need to affirm your kids. You see, my kids don't want to talk to me. No, that's not the way it works. You started it. You didn't want to talk to your kids. So what you need to do now is you need to go and fix it. Because you got mad and without thinking, reckless, thoughtless, careless, without thinking, what a pig you are. What a slob. You stink. Go wash. How come your grades aren't better? You're dumb. What an idiot. You'll never amount to anything. And we think that we are encouraging them and helping them be better by telling them you'll never amount to anything. Yeah, that's real motivation, isn't it? And we become the psychopath. And we kill and we maim. And our kids are angry and hurt. And they don't know how to articulate what's in their hearts. You say you want your wife to change. Can I just tell everybody this? When you get married, you think that you're going to change your spouse after you get married? You're really dumb. 
you can't change you can't change anybody. Listen to me. All you can do is change yourself. If you've got people in your life that aren't performing the way you think they should be performing, if they're doing things they shouldn't do, if you would like your spouse to be a different way or you want your kids to be a different way, guess where it starts? It starts with you. You're the one that's got to start the change. You've got to be the change, and you've heard that in your life, in your marriage. And so here's what you're going to do. Because I know some of you are sitting here, Pastor, you've got the secret key to change my husband. Yes. And some men are sitting here, you, got the, you, know, you can tell me how to change my wife. Here's what you need to do. Is you need to start affirming them. You need to start telling them how much you love them. You need to tell them how beautiful they are. You have to tell them how much you appreciate it when they make your breakfast. How much you appreciate the fact that they've spent all that time washing your clothes. Can I tell you, gentlemen, if your wife is doing that for you, you are privileged. It's an honor that your wife would do that for you. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt wash your husband's clothes. Anybody know this? There's nothing that says, wives, thou shalt wash the dishes and make food for your starving husband. It doesn't say that anywhere. And some would say, well, I would bless my wife, but, but she's got to go first. Listen, if you want change in your workplace, in your, with your kids, with your spouse, with anybody, you have to be the one that takes the first step. You need to start speaking words that affirm, that bless, that encourage. You have to start thinking about what comes out of your mouth before you start the process of maiming the ones you love. I remember hearing a, a psychologist discuss this, this longing that we have to be blessed. And we do. Every one of us craves blessing. Everybody wants to feel that they're loved. And everybody wants to be told that they're worth, that they have great worth and that they're precious. Everybody wants that. It keeps people alive, actually. He says, here's the thing. He says, children especially look to their parents for a blessing. And when the parent does not give the blessing, the child tries again and again and again. He says, it's like a gumball machine. You put the quarter in, you turn the knob and nothing happens. And then you put another quarter and you turn the knob and you hope that one of these times a gumball is going to drop out. But after repeatedly pumping that machine full of quarters, nothing comes out. Eventually, that child becomes cynical, becomes nasty and hard-hearted. Guess what? That's exactly what happens with our kids every time you deny your child that blessing. Our problem is this. The kid cleans the room, and it's, it's pretty good. 5%, 90% is good. 5% is like, eh. How many of us see the 5% that's, eh, and we say, you know what? You can do better than that. But that kid has done his best. And rather than focusing on the good, we all, we all do this. We only see the negative. 5% not good enough. Ouch. How many of us have experienced that? You know, I know some of you are saying, well... These people in my life, they don't deserve a blessing. If they would behave a certain way, well, then they would get my blessing. Listen to this. Back in the 1930s, a Jewish woman, uh, let's call her Sarah, uh, she was 
She was very aware of what was going on in Germany at that time. Hitler was rising quickly in popularity. He'd written a book called Mein Kampf, and in that book, Mein Kampf, Hitler, in his, in his psychopathic ways, actually tells, gives his opinion of the Jewish people, and he talks about what, what should happen to them. Sarah quickly recognizes that her life is in danger, that her family's life is in danger, and she finally hears that there are some visas available that would make it possible for her and her family to get out of the country. So she gets on a train, takes the hour trip to Berlin to get these visas. When she gets there, to her, to her dismay, the office is full of Jewish people with the same idea, trying to get those visas. And they all crowd into this room, and it's hot, and it's stuffy, and it's miserable, and they're tired, and there's no place to sit, and they're anxious, and they're worried. At the end of the day, the clerk stands up and says, No visas today! Out! And they all leave, and the doors are closed. And now she's taking an hour, take this hour train ride. Now what's she going to do? Well, she knows she's got to do everything in her power to get those visas because it's a matter of life and death. And so what she does is she decides to stay in town. The next day, she's first in line. She gets there, and again, to her dismay, there's others who thought of the same thing, and the, and the office is full of people. The end of the day comes, and the clerk stands up and says, No visas today. Now people are angry, and they start cursing him and shaking their fists at him and swearing at him and yelling at him. And Sarah, who was raised differently than that, who was raised to bless others, regardless of whether they deserve it or not, you got to get this part. Bless others regardless of whether they deserve it or not. She went up to, the, up to this clerk and she said to him, I just want to say thank you for all your time and for putting up with the commotion here today. I want to wish you a good day. She gets up, turns around, starts walking out of the office. What else could she do? She gets out of the room, and she's, she's on her way, actually, now out of the building. And she hears behind her this click, 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 click. And it was the clerk running after her. And he said to her, I only had a few visas. I don't have enough for everybody, and I, I don't know who to give them to, and I don't know what to do. And that's why I send everybody away. But he said, I want to say thank you for being kind to me and saying those nice words. And because of that, I want to give you two of the visas that I've got. She was a recipient of those two visas because rather than cursing the one who probably deserved it, she blessed him instead. And it saved her life. I want you to know something today. God knows that you need to bless the people in your life, not just for their sake, but for your sake as well, because it changes you. Because it changes your environment. It changes the people in your life. That next time you feel like cursing somebody because they deserve it, try blessing them instead and watch what happens. How many know today that sometimes we can be pretty miserable? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesse worked at a retail store here in Winnipeg. 
in a department that always had lots of people who wanted lots of questions answered. And he said sometimes there'd be, there, he'd be dealing with a customer and there'd be like three other people tapping him, pulling on him, and saying, hey, you, you need to help me and I need this and I need that. And Jesse will say, well, just a second, I've got to just finish with this customer. And, oh, how dare you talk to me like that? And so there's Jesse from all sides. But unhappy customers. Jesse is uh, between jobs right now. And I said, why don't you try going back to where you were? He said, Dad, can't do it. I can't, I cannot take that. Jesse would rather starve to death than go back and get this every day. I sure hope you're not one of those people that's doing that to that store employee who's run off his feet or her feet. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. No more than Sarah knew that that poor agent had no idea what to do with just a few visas and so many people. Who gets to be picked? Who is the one that gets to go free? You don't know. But I can tell you this. You start blessing the people in your life. You start saying those kind words. Start blessing people. Say, have a good day. Thank you. I appreciate you. Way to go. And watch how your world changes. Because here's what's going to happen. Is that you're the one that's going to change. And when people see you as a happy, cheerful, blessing kind of person, they will change. And they will react in a positive and a kind way towards you. What comes out of your mouth? Are you a maimer or you're a healer? Are you stabbing people as you go? Or are you healing people as you go? Folks, you have been called by Jesus Christ to be the salt and the light of the world. Your job is to be Jesus Christ to a broken world that is hungry, starving for the blessing of God. I just want to tell you this about healing words. When you start speaking those healing words, when you start thinking carefully about what's coming out of your mouth, you will heal your marriage. Your marriage will take on a whole, will go into a whole new plane. Husbands and wives, when you start blessing each other and, and, and refraining from those hurtful words, when you stop acting like psychopaths and start acting like people who are in love, Watch what happens. You start loving those kids instead of beating them up every time they do something wrong. Stupid kids. Stop that. Start loving them. Start blessing them. And watch them change right before your eyes. You don't like going to work? Maybe it's because of you. Maybe you're the one that can bring change. You can heal your workplace. You can heal the relationships between you and your neighbors by changing the language that comes out of your mouth. Do you know that when you bless somebody, you remind them that God loves them and you remind them that you love them. I'm going to tell you this. Everybody listen to this. This is what life is about. It's about right relationships. If your relationship with God and relationship with each other is not what it needs to be, my friends, your life is a failure. You are losing it. You are missing it. It's it's not working right. You start reminding people God loves you. God bless you. 
and you start telling people, hey, I appreciate you. What you're saying is, I love you and God loves you. You start telling people that. And tell them, don't just use formulaic words, but be specific about what it is that you appreciate and love about that person. And watch the change take place. I want to share with you an example. David Wagner was a hairdresser, and he had a lot of regular customers. And one day, he had a customer call to say that she had a very special attempt event that she needed to attend. And it wasn't her regular time. It was between appointments. And he said, yes, I can fit you in for sure. She arrived and uh, she was very vague about what the special event was, but she wanted to look her best. And so he, she said, just, you know, give me the full treatment. And, and so he really took a lot of time. And as he was doing his, doing her hair, doing whatever it is that makes women look beautiful, uh, he was being kind to her and touching her on the shoulder and, and patting her and on the back and just saying, you look beautiful and just appreciate so much these years of patronage. Thank you so much for being my customer. You're one of my best customers. And it's really been a pleasure knowing you all these years. Just really affirming this woman. And after giving her the time that, that she needed to really look beautiful... She, she left with some tears in her coming down her cheeks, and she just said, I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much. But a week later, later he got a letter from her, a handwritten letter, and she said, I want to say thank you for speaking such kind words to me. What you didn't know is the special event that I was going to that night was my own suicide. I had planned to take my life that night. But before I died, I wanted to make sure I looked my best. But your kindness to me, your love for me, you used my name, you told me how much, how special I was to you as a customer. That changed my life. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for caring about me. David Wagner was absolutely dumbstruck had no idea that this, this kind and, and, and thoughtful and carefully spoken words of, of kindness to this woman literally saved her life. But the words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And it literally saved her life. David Wagner said that moment he knew that he had to change his own life and he had to be far more intentional about making sure that he blessed the people that came to his shop. He had to be careful to make people's day. And so he wrote a book called Daymaker and started a special uh, business where he trained all his employees how to make people's day, how to treat people special. Now, can I just remind everybody of something? We don't need a special book to tell us how to make people's day because we've got this book. And I'm going to tell you this. If anybody reads this book, you will discover how God calls you and me to treat each other. And I can tell you for 100% for sure, your job and my job is to make people's day 
Make our children's day. You know what amazes me is that so often I watch couples who will treat their neighbors better than they treat each other, who will treat other people's children better than they'll treat their own children. It's time for you and I to take seriously this call to bless one another, to make people's day. It's so important, friends, that here's, here's, here's the shocker now. I'm going to leave you with this real kicker. Someday, you and I are going to stand before God, and you and I are going to give a, an account for every word that comes out of this mouth. How many knew that? You are going to st- stand before God, and you're going to have to give an account for every thoughtless, careless, reckless word. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36. He says this, Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. That means a judgment day. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation, and words can be your damnation. You say, I don't commit adultery. I don't swear. I don't, I'm not an addict. I don't gamble. I don't break any of the commandments. James tells us that your religion is worthless if you haven't got a tight rein in your tongue. Words can be your salvation, or they can be your damnation. Words can be the salvation of somebody else. Or it could be their damnation. But I'm going to tell you what you say, what comes out of your mouth, has the power to kill or the power to heal. And Jesus Christ has called you and me to be healers, to be Jesus Christ to the people in our lives. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we have heard your word today and we tremble because it's very serious and it has consequences. Your word tells us clearly that what comes out of our mouth must be healing words, words that encourage, words that build people up. God, some of us today are truly guilty of maiming the people around us. We don't even know it. In fact, our hearts, we believe, only mean the best and mean well for those around us. But God, we, we have to acknowledge and recognize today that we've been hurting and maiming people. God, give us the grace and the strength that we need to bring healing to our families, to our marriages, to our workplace, to our schools, Wherever it is that we go, God, we need your grace and strength to bless the people in our lives, to be Jesus Christ present to those people that we know. And we thank you, Jesus, for your grace, for your strength. We thank you for forgiving us for getting it wrong so many times. We want to go from this place as a people who know how to bless, affirm, encourage, love, and help others. We want to be healers. We don't want to be killers. So give us the grace, we pray. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me.
Would you tell the person beside you, God bless you. I'm so happy to see you today.